Welcome to the B&E Podcast with Brandon Colby-Cook and Evan Schulte. Exploring the creative process and finding the balance between artistry and industry. Entirely uncut and unscripted. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I think that was a different intro than I yeah, normally do. Yeah, that was do. different. Well, Hello, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the B&E Podcast. I'm Evan. And across from me is my cohort, Brandon. <laughs> my cohort. My cohort. <laughs> cohort and cohort. Yeah. Well, we hang out enough. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, you know what? Let's amp it up. Let's make a movie together too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where we're gonna be rodin' in a van. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, we're doing our not so serious thing today. Yeah. which we normally do on Sunday. Today is a Monday. Not that it makes a difference. You can talk about this kind of thing <laughs> any day of the week. <laughs> but we brand it hard as the not-so-serious Sunday. Yeah, so whatever. It's like it's uh, it's not-so-serious Sunday in it's not spirit. not so serious, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> Don't take this so seriously. Yeah, it's just like m- mellow it out Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that was an idea we actually threw around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We just have like mellowed out Mondays. Take it easy Tuesday. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you could just keep going through all of them, right? <laughs> Except Wednesday's the topic day. Yeah. So it's throw it away Thursday. Nice. Oh. Fuck it all Friday. Whoa. <laughs> Do it. Um, yeah. um. Okay. So let's let's get into this to some okay. degree. So not so serious Sunday. We don't, uh, we don't really have a topic, but we might as well talk about what's going on in our lives. Yeah. And, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, kind of like the beginning of the new year and we haven't had a, we haven't had one where it's just been you and I yet in this new year. Cause we've had, we've been having a bunch of guests. Yeah, We've had three guests for the start of the new year because we've been really enjoying having the guests on. And, mm-hmm. uh, if you made it to this point and you've been listening to our podcasts or our catalog, um, you know, most of our first sort of hundred episodes ish, or at least we're coming on to our hundredth now. Um, most of them have just been you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are trying to get more guests now, like with more regularity for the future, just because, I mean, I feel like we've, uh, we, we sort of started to figure out what the show was about for you and me. Well, and, you know, uh, it, yeah, it's interesting because there's a one episode and I, I would definitely, if you guys have not listened to it yet, it's called, um, it's the, it's the valuing process over progress and here's why. Oh yeah. Which yeah. actually I think comes out relatively soon. But, um, that was a, that was a really profound episode for me because once we hit that episode, I feel like we really had laid down a lot of the groundwork of what we were doing because, you know, there's this whole thing about, you know, launching even the podcast, for example, or making this film. And there's this desire to always want to be making progress. And, you know, we got to get this done and get this done and get this done. And then every once in a while, of course, you know, the world is going to throw a monkey wrench in the middle of everything you're doing. It's going to slow <laughs> down. You're going to get behind. Yeah. Um, you're going to start, you know, fear can come up, but if you look at your process, like how are, how are you like processing internally as opposed to what's happening externally? I mean, that was a game changer conversation for me because I think I really started to realize why process is so much more important. And I think like that was kind of the beginning of this podcast for us. There's a lot of peas here, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) but it was, it was us getting our process down. And now that our process is nailed down, 
Um, I think it's, it's, we have more room to be able to invite people in and kind of, you know, cause I think yeah. the new guests have come in, they're all like, Oh, you guys kind of already have, you have it all laid out. And we're like, no, no we don't, but we well, just have a process. Yeah. We just have a process, which yeah. is not a whole lot of set rules. Yeah. <laughs> just like, let's, let's go and learning to just trust it. I think that was part of that conversation of, of, uh, that was part of the title trust process over progress. Yeah. Or val- was it value process? Over <clears throat> progress? I think it's value process over progress. But trust well. was a big part of that conversation. If yeah, I remember correctly. Yeah. Yes. It's interesting. I was, uh, I was talking, um, I was talking to our guests who were going to be having on, uh, on Wednesday, uh, a friend of mine named, uh, Mike Stewart and foreshadowing foreshadowing. So tune in on Wednesday, um, one ish, one thirty ish. We'll mm-hmm. get that locked down, but, uh, you'll see that conversation unfold. But I, I was just talking to him a little bit about what, what we do and about, what we're about. And, uh, and I, I was just saying, it's so interesting to me that, you know, we've had all these conversations ourselves and then we bring these guests into the fold, which is kind of why I really like, I like having more guests on the show now. I think it's still good that we do our, our thing, Mm -hmm. but uh, to have guests on the show and then having guests, uh, cover a lot of the same ground that we have covered before, maybe just in a bit of a new way, but like saying some of the same things, because that's when for me, I get excited about that because I'm like, okay, so we're, we've stumbled onto some kind of a truth, Mm -hmm. some kind of a wisdom about this, because this is something that's, it isn't just us, you know, going back and forth in our own little microcosm of, of ideas, right? Like, yeah, these are, cause they're these, bringing it in unprepped. That's yeah. just like, that's their life and their process. And <clears throat> we'll have literally had a conversation about that and they'll be bringing up that very same thing that we kind of uncovered. And I think that's really neat. Cause it kind of, it, it, it I don't know, what is it? it like reinforces that these ideas are actually something to like, you know, stand by. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that's cool. So, um, otherwise what's, I know you've been super busy with reading scripts and writing scripts and you're giving a lot of feedback and stuff like you're, you're checking out spec scripts or something. Is that so, or? <clears throat> so last year, so last year I got hired, um, to basically consult on a script for a writer who, um, a production company basically wanted to like launch his project into development. So they hired me on as a, and, and they, and there was no script. It was from like development. All right. there was, was a proof. There was a proof made, but no script. And it was kind of an art house picture too. So they didn't really know how mm. it was going to happen. But basically after working with me doing my timeless course, essentially I ran them through that, but like on a personal level, um, it's their favorite script of all the scripts they have this year. And they were so excited about that, that they like immediately in January hired me for like four more jobs. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, so, so I have like four more script consulting jobs right at the beginning of the year, yeah. which is good for me because I decided in 2017, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to write any more scripts unless it was either reworking one of mine or, um, there was like one, basically like one script opportunity like it's a novel. It was actually Owen who was on our, our podcast right. earlier. Yeah. So if his does, um, get greenlit and it gets turned into an adaptation of his book into a script, then I'll, then I, if I can get that job, I'll take yeah. that one on. 
And otherwise they'd have to pay me a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> Basically that's kind of where I stand because I wanted to focus on, on writing and, or sorry, on filmmaking and acting. And then, um, you know, last year we were, we were teasing the idea of going forward with the movie yeah. and then, uh, you know, you hit your roadblocks and whatever, but I don't think we were really committed last year. I think we were kind of like, if this works out, then we'll do it because yeah. we're waiting on a grant, right? Yes. And I'm sure if yeah. the grant worked out, we would have been hundred percent committed, but we kind of made it a dependency this year. We're like, okay, hell or high water. We're actually making this film. So it's a yeah. different story. And right? I think we were also juggling a few things around at the same time too. It's like we were, oh, yeah. we were writing the script together. We were also like trying to launch this podcast and then do a movie. And it was, you know, a little bit of this and that the podcast ended up <clears throat> taking the priority over it which is yeah. sometimes it's kind of part of trusting the process, right? That was the thing that was, had the strongest pull. Yeah. For us. And last year, I think for, for me, just like out of all the things that I put my, most of my time and energy into the podcast was probably the best thing that I feel that I was personally a part of last year, because I mean, just to see that we're making such a big impact with, with listeners and that it's growing as fast and, and it's, opening up all these doors and it's creating opportunities this year. I mean, it was, it was really good to like make that a priority. Um, I would have loved to have made that movie or, or even have made a movie period last year. But when I look at where I was at, um, there's also, I was struggling with a lot of stuff personally and emotionally too, Mm -hmm. just in my own life, working stuff out. And so this year though, I feel like I've kind of, I don't know, like that, all that stuff seems behind me now. Like it Mm -hmm. just doesn't seem like it's in the way. And, um, or at least it's not going to, yeah, it's not going to stop you. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, it's not like these things, they just go away and then they're gone forever, but they're, they're, they're not, I guess I don't see them as like, uh, uh, what's the word, like an impediment anymore. I see them more as like something that actually, um, is like a gift and I'm like grateful for it, Mm. which is a huge change. I mean, because if you have like a challenge in your life and you think of that as like, it feels like it's slowing you down or making life harder, it you can push through it. But I think when you see something that you have and you see how, even if it seems like it's an obstacle or an impediment, you see it more as like something that's actually adding to you. Mm -hmm. It's a different experience of going after your goals. So this year, I think what's really helped me. And I've, I mean, in the last probably few weeks, I was like more productive than I was in the last like few months of last year. And I was pretty productive last few months of last year. So and I, I know that sounds like extreme, but it's actually like, I'm literally like from morning till night, like I'm, and I'm like on, I like feel like I'm on fire, you know, like in a good way, yeah. you know, but I, I don't know, something had to like kind of click inside. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just part of the process. And you know, it's like, that's the thing is you can't force it sometimes, you know, you just have to like live through whatever you're going through. Yeah. 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 And I, I think that it's true. There's these things like sometimes like they, they don't even necessarily completely go away wherever, like this is the way that I'm sort of relating to some of the things that, you know, maybe were bigger obstacles for me before where, and, and most of them, they're all, they're all my own shit, right? That that's usually the biggest thing that stops us from, from creating anything is our own, our own fears, our own beliefs, our own perceptions on the work that we're doing the, you know, and then we'll make stories about the market or the, you know, the industry or the, this or the, that, like all kinds of stuff to not do our work or I'm not good enough or I'm not there yet or whatever. Right. Like the, the, it's a laundry list. And, uh, 
but there's normally like a couple of them that are strongest for, are the strongest. Right. And for me, cause I've been in a somewhat of a similar, somewhat of a similar wavelength to that as well, where I'm just like, yeah, it hasn't gone away. Some of those things haven't gone away, but I'm just, yeah, they're not as much of an impediment anymore. It's like, I recognize that it's there, but I just don't let it stop me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, or let it, let it impede me as much as it once did. Right. Like it's just, it's a quieter voice or I just don't listen to it as much. Well, I think also like external obstacles or impediments or whatever in, in life aren't really the thing that slows you down so much because like, I remember playing soccer and I had a hurt knee or playing or with the hurt ankle or, you know, whatever, um, or playing through injury in hockey or whatever. The thing is, is it was never really the physical thing that was slowing me down. Yeah. It didn't help. It wasn't great, but it was my emotional, um, relationship to the injury. Right. So if like, for example, if I thought I was going to get hurt, right playing with an injury, the injury was amplified as a bigger deal. Mm. But if I was like, no, just like kind of, you know, you know, be mindful, like run through it, you know, you're fine. When I kind of had that, what ended up happening, my emotional relationship to it, it was almost like I didn't even really have an injury. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that, that, you know, like when we have goals in life, I think that they're like that they get amplified by our emotional internal state and relationship to whatever the thing is. So like, for example, you could say, well, you know, someone could say, I I can't start a business. I don't have any money. Well, maybe you don't have any money, but your emotional internal relationship to not having money is the problem. You not having money really is not the problem. And like people say that about making a film or it's like, I don't know how to like, whatever. It, It doesn't really matter what the external thing is. It's your internal world. And so like, I think where things are changing for me, and it seems to be getting better pretty regularly is that my emotional state to whatever I perceive being in my way, which might literally be in my way is just changing. So these things are not as big of a deal anymore, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because last year I couldn't really see the emotional block. I could only, and I could only see the physical block and I kept trying to work the physical block. But now this year, I think where it's changing in my process is I'm working the emotional blocks more and so the physical blocks are kind of like, well, that's not even that big of a deal anymore. Yeah. 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 So if that makes sense. Yeah. I think so. Because yeah. like by physical blocks, you mean like, like external of you. Yeah. Like, you know, being able to like meet the right people sure. or get the right connection or yeah, those types of things. Like and you for sh- example, you could bring up anything. Like if you say meet the right people. So I don't know, I don't know anybody who will invest in my film, for example, someone mm-hmm. could say that. But the thing is, is that that could scare you. And you could be like, well, there's just no chance. I don't know where it even started or whatever. And you can get all emotional and worked up about it. Or you could be like, okay, so I don't know the person who's going to invest in my film, or I don't know who will, or the person I thought would, isn't going to do it. And so you could have a different emotional experience that and be like, well, okay, so that didn't happen. So like, I don't have to get scared about it. I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah. Now what do I need to do? Right. And so you can kind of get excited about, well, maybe there's a chance to meet someone new that I wouldn't have ever otherwise met. So it's like, it's kind of a perceptual shift, but it's, I think a lot to do with the emotions because last year, I think my big challenge was, and I had a, uh, actually Seth who was on our, our podcast. Oh, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. He pointed out to me, he's like, 
don't try and make, don't try and logic yourself through these decisions. They're made emotionally first before they ever get to logic. Mm. And the thing is, is you're not going to be able to logic your way through this right now. And that really hit home with me. And I, and, and, and that was probably in like the end of summer or like late fall or so. no, it was like, it was right in the middle of summer. That's when it was. Yeah. Cause that's when things started to change. And so I started to try to work the emotional of course. There's that saying, you know, it's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. Cause when you've been blocking out your emotions and been trying to ignore them, all of a sudden now you're going to look at them. They're all going to come up and you're like, Oh God. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you, yeah. It's like you've like been piling things up in the basement and then you finally turn the light on and you're looking yeah. around at all of this shit and you're like, Oh no, <laughs> exactly. Um, That's pretty much it. Yeah. 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 And so you got to clear, you gotta clear you. out the basement before you can like rebuild the house, so to speak. Yeah. You know, you, Cause otherwise you, you just have to, it's just like, it has to be. And so, yeah, that's kind of what it was like for me. I think it's interesting what you're saying. You can't, you know, you can't logic your way through it. Right. And, and I think that that's, um, I think that there's this whole thing between in, in the creative process and how we also navigate with, with the industry and how it can affect our creative process. And in that way is this whole, um, duality, this balance that we have to walk between logic and our, and our emotion or, Mm -hmm. or our sort of where our hearts are leading us kind of thing. Right. Because I think that if you, if you start from a logic based place, I mean, especially in the arts, like you're, you're never going to get off the ground. Like there's, there's no chance. I mean, you have to, I think, let your, your heart take the lead and let sort of the logic pick up, you know, pick up the pieces as it's going. Right. Because otherwise like the logic will never, never create something inspired, right? Like it will create something, very safe and very, you know, structured, like it can be technically very sound, but it'll just be missing the quality that, that gives art its humanity, that gives it its real connection, um, to its audience, I think. Mm. But yeah, I think it's, it's this weird thing about like working with our logic minds in art. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about it as you were saying that like logic is kind of like the industry side and you know, the emotional side is more of the artistry. And I think, um, you know, especially when you're, when you're trying to be creative and you're trying to do something outside of what's already been done or what's usual or normal, or is not say maybe so systematic or, um, programmed, you have to, you have to uncover it with a sense of emotion, like in a sense of curiosity and wonder and, um, you know, do, you know, trust your gut a little bit, you know, cause like, <clears throat> it's really interesting. Like right now we're developing a project, which will basically be my first feature debut as a filmmaker, mm. like as a director. And that'll be in the fall. So right now the whole project's going through development and we are in these initial stages where, we were coming up with these really, really interesting and cool concepts, but they just like, it's like, you know, they don't feel right. This it's like something doesn't feel right. It's like, it's not it you're hitting, but you're not mm-hmm. quite hitting. And last night we, I'm, and I kept saying, I just kept saying, just be patient, be patient. I've never really been this patient in my creativity, but I'm like, let's be patient. I, we got to trust that what's going to happen is going to happen, but let's not force it. Cause we don't go forward with an idea that we're not happy with. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
is, you know, there's all sorts of consequences that come with that. Right. So it's just push it. And then last night it was like, I, it was like a floodgate just went like, and it just broke. And all of a sudden all these ideas started coming flooding out and it kind of started with some ideas I had. And then they started getting thrown back and then boom, we're like, all of a sudden we're like, we need to record everything we're saying right now. Like this is, and this is it. And we're like, you know what? Like I imagine it's like the way a musician feels when you know, you've just recorded a hit song Mm. and you're like, this is a hit. Like this is like, and, and it like, I don't even like, I don't know how to recreate it necessarily. Yeah. Other than you got to be patient and you got to keep like kind of, and you kind of know when you're in it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And keep throwing the same, like, it's like we're coming at it with some principles, you know, some, some, some fundamentals and we were using some reference points, but for the most part, you know, those things, if you try and logic and put all those things together, like Ex Machina is like one of, you know, my favorite films and it's a film we were referencing and we were also referencing a few others. And if we were just to literally try and do what they did, it won't work from a logic point of view. It just won't work. So, but there's principles in that movie that you can kind of go, okay, what were the principle? What did they do here? And then you kind of figure out that. And then you can't like, you don't get it right away. That's why you got to be patient because something has to settle. Like it has to settle inside of you. And then all of a sudden, if you just stick with it, you like hang in the pocket, all of a sudden, boom, something happens. And this is like, this is, I, this is like one of the most exciting times for me as a creative. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I I think that's really interesting because it's like, you know, it's, it's about finding that sort of that real, the heartbeat, you know, of, of the project, you know, because you start, if you go with it from a completely head state of mind, like in a logic state, you know, yeah, you, you can craft something, you'll compare it to something else and you'll come up with a, you know, something contrived. You might put a twist on it and be like, Oh, that was clever Mm. or that was, or that's cool. Right. You know, but then there's always that right Mm -hmm. at the end of like when you're creating from the logic side, whereas like when you have that, that heart, that emotion in it, you're just excited. Like it's just like a ball of energy. It's just excitement. Yeah. And then I think the logic makes a good assistant to that. Totally. Where then the assistant can, can go like, Oh, well, like, what if we did something like this? And then it goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We can do something (laughs) like that. Oh, we could, what if we did something like this with it? And then it's just like, it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. And then that's when like, you know, like your, your logic and your, and your just creative, whatever are just like working together in just such a harmonious way. I think that's it, man. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, that's, that's kind of, and I think the, you know, it's funny because like the way this whole thing has come about could only have come about by, um, allowing the motion to take a lead. And I think that's a scary thing to do because, you know, I think most of us never learn to feel our way through something, but it's a very inductive process. I mean, it's like, you know, until you, until you, until you allow your, and it's like acting, it's like anything. If you don't trust your gut, if you don't like be connected to what's inside, yeah, you can say it the way you think it's supposed to be done, but it'll never be as authentically true. And you might yeah. even be a good, like, you know, we've talked about this. You might even be good at tricking the audience, yeah. but you can't trick yourself. You know it when you feel it inside. Yeah. It's like, 
it's 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 like riding a roller coaster a little bit. And it's that yeah. like you know it's that that logic likes to take over, and it's that impulse, and it's there because it's like you know we we want to have control of a situation. Yeah. We want to um, feel like we know what we're doing. We want to try and guarantee some sort of an outcome, you know. And e- e- while its intentions are maybe good in that sense, it it has it has no idea how to do it. I think that's the big, (laughs) that's the big problem with it, which Mm -hmm. is why it's like, but then if you go all, you know, like with this in it, like you might create something that's just like really like super original, but like, there's not, there's no tying thread to it. Yeah. It's like unguided. Yeah. It's just, it's just complete random chaos. Yeah. You know, and you know, if that's maybe the intention of a piece of work, then, you know, there might be something to be said for it. I don't, you know, there's room for everything, but <laughs> usually the best stuff all like it's, it's a blend of, of the two, right? They come together and they, they work their best attributes for, you know, the, the greater good of, of something. And I mean, I think that's kind of our duality as human beings, right? Like we have emotions, but we have logic. Like these are two, you know, there, there are senses in, yeah. in regard and, and, by using both of them, we can create more than if it was just one or the other. Yeah. I think, I think it's, um, you got to use both of them and I think it's harder to use the emotion for, well, at least, I don't know for me, I can say, I don't know about other people, but for me, it's a little harder to use the emotion sometimes because, um, there's, it's, it just feels more comfortable to logic my way through a lot of things, Mm -hmm. you know, for other people, maybe it feels easier to, feel and harder to logic. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be the other way, but I think ultimately, um, it's finding that like fine balance. And also the balance isn't the same for everything you're doing. You know, if I'm doing like a mechanical job, how I feel about the mechanical job is not as important, <laughs> but if I'm creating a story concept or if I'm acting, how I feel is probably a lot more important than the logic I have around it. Yeah. So like, Um, but it's finding that that's the great thing about this talk. It's like this whole talk, uh, this whole podcast is about finding the balance between artistry and industry, but it's not like there's one balance. And once you find that balance, you can do everything. It's like the balance point is different depending on where, what, what spectrum or which area of artistry or industry you're on. I think it's something that you continually have to be aware of. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and yeah, there's no like one size fits all from, for person to person and project to project, like the more it's, it's, it's a constant, it's a constant balancing act, I think. Well, and you know, like finding your balance too, is something that like you can watch someone on a tightrope, but until you're actually on the tightrope, you know, you gotta, you gotta learn how to feel, you gotta, you gotta wiggle your body, put your arms out. You gotta, you know, and it's something you, you have to, you have to physically kind of try, you know? Yeah. And until you, until you try it, right there's no, um, like when we were doing our concept meeting last night, there was a moment and I, I wish I could tell you guys specifically what it was. I would love to, but I, there's confidentialities. I can't. Yeah. I'm not, well, I could, but I'm not allowed. Yeah. And it would be bad anyway. And I understand the value. We get it, Brandon. Okay. It's all good. But there was something that basically we had this kind of discovery. It was something basically the long and the short of it. It was something Ted used to always talk to us about. Um, but he was, Ted used to always talk to us about all of our characters having an impediment, Mm. which I later kind of realized that like, well, that's so interesting that he always got us to do that because all the great characters and great character creation, you need a flawed or a character with an impediment or some type of flaw. And, um, 
and sometimes both a fatal flaw and a, an impediment in some other form, right? And one can be conscious and one can be unconscious. But we were talking about essentially a conscious flaw and somewhat of an impediment with this character. Um, and when we were talking about it and how it related to the story and it, and because it was there, it changed the story and it made a huge impact point. I literally got emotional on the call. Yeah. Like I, I was like, and, and it's all, it's all recorded on our recordings, but I was like, like at, the tears were like welling up in my eyes as we talked about it because of what this would have meant for the character. Mm. And I was empathizing with him so much. And I was empathizing with the other character as well because of it. And like, I was living it. Yeah. And when that happens, I think there's like this, this opportunity for kind of like genius creativity to come through because it's not just an idea anymore. You're in it, you're living it, you're seeing it. It's like, you're in the movie, watching the movie, you're, 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 you're all right. And so Mm -hmm. it's, it's, um, it's a wild experience. And so like, like there's part of it, there's part of it is like, that's, that was, I think part of how we gained access you know, like at least for me, at least from my perspective of it, I think that because we were getting so emotionally connected to it all and we, and, and then we're, the logic was catching up kind of, as you put it, it was very much like that, but you really have to feel it. You can't like be like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know. I get it. You know, you have to feel it. You have to like try that shit on, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And does it do something for you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, if it does something for me, then it's probably going to do something for the audience. Right. And you're thinking something I learned from, from Ted as well. This is an old teacher of ours, Ted Whittall. Um, he said, if it does, it's like, if it, uh, if it moves you, if it does something for you, then it's specific. (laughs) He like kind of uses voice a little. (laughs) If it moves you, um, (laughs) but he was, he was, that was, that was a great thing for me. Like as a piece of advice as an actor, because so many teachers would say, it's like, be specific. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. But then they weren't specific about what being specific was. Yeah. Right. Or they did, there was no, it's like, well, what does that mean exactly? It's like, oh, okay. And then you, and then it becomes another intellectual exercise, right. Yeah. Where it's like a logical exercise. I'm like, okay, so, um, my character has a chip on their shoulder because at once, and, and then you've manufactured something and it doesn't really do anything for you. But like for him, it was just like, if it does something for you, it's specific. I'm like, oh, okay. I get that. Yeah. That makes and, sense and, to me. And Ted would get us to do in, in our acting class. And this was actually even before that you, before you even started the class, it used to be called the character class. That's what it was called. Yeah. And we didn't even do scenes. We just did like, um, we'd get like a random poem or something and we'd have to mm. read it out, you know, like it wasn't very like, and so it was all, it was called like, basically the idea was for us to kind of get connected to character. And so what would end up happening is you would physicalize something with your character. Usually, and, and one, one time he did, he wanted us to do both a uh, verbal and physical impediment. So like a vocal and, and physical impediment. So for my character, they had, um, they had, or well, it doesn't even, it, you know, it could be anything. It could even be an accent, but like if you had an impediment, it's even better. Like, uh, one character I told you about, he spoke kind of funny. It's like everything he said kind of sounded like this. Oh yeah. yeah. And another guy had an Irish accent, but he got us to do it. And what would happen is, is you physicalized your body into this. And it, and if, and I had one where the guy had like a, I don't remember what it was, but I created some backstory where he had some kind of like, like, like cancer, like inside of his spleen or something like that. Right. And he was, 
he didn't know it, but it was like causing him a lot of pain, but he was kind of trying to, cause he was a gangster. He was trying to act tough, Yeah. but it gave me this whole physical, you know, feeling in my body. Mm-hmm. And then it isn't long before you start walking around in the scene and doing that all of a sudden, like, you know, someone says something and it hits you because it means something different now because, yeah. you, because somehow these impediments you have, they, it relates to them, you know, because like when you're perfectly healthy and everything's great in the world, you know, people can almost say anything or do anything, but it's weird. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. I don't even know how to logic it. You, you, you just, my point is you won't understand until you're actually doing it. No. And, and that's, it's interesting. You, you, uh, you bring this up cause yeah, like I've had that sort of experience before as well. Like doing parts where I've just adopted, um, an accent or a voice and kept it like outside of the classroom and actually went about my life like with, with this voice. Right. And, and how it starts to do something to you mm-hmm. it starts to shift you. It was, um, just this last weekend I was, uh, I was away with some friends and a friend of ours, she had lost her voice a little bit. And so she was, whenever she was talking, like it was in this way that just did, does not sound like how she normally talks at all. Yeah. And we actually came up with a name where we started calling her Charlotte, <laughs> which isn't her name. Just, <laughs> just for adding some context. But, uh, she was saying, she's like, you know, it's, she, she was like, it's she's like, it's been so interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, because she, but basically she's like, I, she's like, I've been like acting differently around people because of it. Like maybe partially because she was a little self-conscious about it, but also because she just felt different Mm. with this voice on. And I was like, well, you've just, and she's not an actress at all. And I said, well, you've just basically done an actor's exercise. Like you, you adopt a physicality or a vocal thing or some, or an impediment of some kind. And you, and you keep it on for long enough that it actually does something to you Mm. as opposed to you trying to make it yeah. do something, right? That's right. Is, yeah, that's what needs to happen. It's, and the thing is, is also Ted pointed out that when you have really strong intention, your impediment actually becomes an actual obstacle. Cause the thing is, is like, if you, if you don't have an intention, then your impediment, you can kind of almost pretend it's not there. But he, he got me to this one scene where he got like the character that spoke like this, everything he said kind of sounded funny. Anyway, he got me to do that one, but the, there was another, uh, woman in the scene and he's like, basically, I want you like, basically I had to like try to get her to go on a date with me, which I don't know how the whole, I, I remember how it all worked. I didn't even think I had lines to like ask her out or anything. Mm-hmm. Just the way it kind of the way the scene worked, but he got me to kind of go that way. Dude, I cannot tell you how emotional it made me Yeah, because it brought up all my thing about like, why would she ever love me? You know? And, and like my judgments of myself, it was amazing. It was like a yeah. profoundly impactful moment yeah, in my acting career. And, it, and everybody in the audience was in tears Yeah, because they could see how much pain I was going through, but it was real. Like, and it was a surprise. Like and he didn't just, know it was going to happen. Yeah. I didn't, I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. Yeah. You're just going along for the ride. Oh yeah. You know, that's the, that's the amazing thing about when you let go, you know, when you let go and you stop trying to think your way through, especially in acting, like, I mean, it's not a good thing to do with like almost any artistic discipline or work that in any other form that, but 
acting in particular, it's because of its immediacy, because of how present you need to be, because it's all being watched right now mm-hmm. or it's all being captured right now. Yeah. Like it's immediate, like it's, and it, and that's why I think it's such an, um, an exciting and exhilarating art form when it's done well, because it's just like, that's it. Mm-hmm. Like that will never be done again. Yeah. Like, you know, you, it's the, in it's lightning in a bottle, whether you saw it live on a stage or you saw it on a camera, like, you know, and sometimes the consistency thing becomes, becomes like, that's one of those issues yeah. that I guess you come up against, but no matter what, like I know you talk about, um, Marlon Brando and uh, streetcar named desire. And he'd done that play 200 times, 200 times. Right. And it, he would do it one night and he would, and at this one moment he would, it would come out this way. Right. And it was electric. And the next night it would come out a different way, but it was still electric. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's an actor who's just really, I think he learned at such an early time about being present and really being involved in what was actually happening instead of trying to force his own egotistical agenda onto the work. Yeah. And in his biography, she, one of the people that wrote a biography there, she said, you know, you'd see him on stage and one night he would do it. Another night he'd do it. In one night it would be better. One night it wouldn't be as good. That's like, right. But she said it was always engaging. It was always like real and in the moment. I don't remember how she put it, Yeah. but, but there's something in that. I mean, and I can, I think that's the thing is like when you allow it to not be as quote unquote good mm-hmm. as it was the night before you allow it to be truthful. And I think that someone could say, yeah, it was better the time you did it before. But I think as an artist, you got to just wipe any of those thoughts from your yeah. mind. Cause that's not what you're here to do. You're not here to compare to your last moment. Mm-hmm. You're really not. And I, and I think that it's, um, naive to think that you are. I think really what you're here to do is have truthful moments. Yeah. And, and what someone's opinion of them is, is not really relevant because what matters is it's truthful. And it was really interesting. Like, um, we we're talking on, uh, the, I was doing a breakdown of wedding crashes and I really liked that movie. It's like one of my favorite comedies ever made. And, um, someone didn't like it. Right. And we were talking about that, but someone didn't like it. And I was like, okay, well, that's fine. You don't like it. I was thinking like, it's, it's interesting. Like, uh, like what, and I was kind of looking at, I'm like, when you look at the scenes we just looked at, whether you like them or not, that is your opinion. Mm -hmm. But what you're not able to argue with is the truth that's happening in these moments. Cause I took the scene. I don't know if you remember them, the scene where they go at breakfast and the scene after where, um, Vince Vaughn confesses about the woman. Okay. But if you look at, it's if, been a while since I've seen it. Like I I'm, I'm getting somewhat I'm not, images. I'm of not it. saying that it's like an Oscar winning film, but, but, but there's was, a, there's a truthfulness to it. There's a, like if you, especially if you watch Owen Wilson, like say what you want about him as an actor, you watch his responses to Vince Vaughn. They're like, they're very, very real mm-hmm. to, to the, to the relationship and they're very genuine. And, and like, honestly, like you maybe have even seen the movie, try and tell me what he's going to do. 
try and tell me all the nuances. Just watch it closely. Yeah. And you'll notice that. And then when you look closely at something like that's the neat thing about breaking down a scene in particular is when, or breaking down like even like a moment of a scene, you can see it in a way that you never even saw it because it's like taking something and like putting a microscope on it. You know, when you watched it in the movie, it all just kind of flows by, you know, you don't even really see it. But when you take a small moment in film, you can almost put a microscope on it. You can look at it. And the neat thing about when you capture a little bit of truth is it's like, it's this, like you talk about this moment, that moment when this, or that moment yeah, when that. And, and that moment when you break it down almost lasts forever because there's so many little things about it. And like, that's the really neat thing. And so like, I've been, I've been realizing more and more, at least from the acting side of things that capturing that or letting that, um, get kind of transferred through your instrument as an actor, even if it's live, um, and on stage and no one ever sees it again. Like that's really what we're after. Yeah. And I think what happens is that we have this kind of industrial media kind of complex where everybody's trying to understand it and logic it, but they don't. And when they try to logic it and understand it, like from an external way, they totally miss the point because if they were really looking at it is like, all that really matters is like, was that truthful? That's all that really matters. Yeah. And like, I think about all my early lessons as, as, as an actor, like a lot of early ones where I don't know, there's this pressure to like do things a certain way. And it's like, all I really had to do was listen and say a line and be true to that. That's really all I had to do. All this other stuff that you've dressed it up and all the other things on it, those are kind of distractions without that first thing, which is to listen yeah. and respond. These like, yeah. we are such funny things. Like we're human beings. We're all s- hilarious. Yeah. You know, and our interactions with each other are so funny, mm-hmm. you know, without us necessarily even trying, uh, again, just this last weekend, there was like a discussion over, like we were playing, um, cranium, or something like that, a group of us were playing cranium and we we're going back and forth about the rules and clarifying stuff. And one of our friends just burst into laughter <laughs> and she was just like, what I just saw unfold here, like, like the converse. And we were all just having a conversation of just trying to understand the rules or whatever and going back and forth. And it was just, it, it was the most hilarious thing this person had ever seen in their life. <laughs> and so we go, it's, yeah. it's, it is, it's all about like honesty you know, it's like, there's sometimes you don't need to put too much more onto it. If it's truthful, it's not like, especially like in acting, it's like you got a good writing, you know, like a great script or whatever, and great characters and actors who are really just being, who are really being real and just being truthful and honest with the words, man, like there's not really much that you have to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's really neat. You know, it's funny. I remember, uh, I remember that moment at the end of last summer, we were at the cabin there and you guys all wanted to play cards and I was sitting off to the side <laughs> and just all the funny interactions that were happening. And I was even surprising myself the way that I, like, it was just, but like, I, I, I often look back on that moment. I'm like, what a, what a, what an interesting time. Cause I think we all kind of went away a little bit to like kind of find ourselves, but there's like this kind of just, just being in nature, being together and like, I remember that weekend. I'm like, I don't feel pressure. Like, like, I feel like I felt pressure the whole year to do certain things yeah. that year, that weekend. I'm like, I don't feel pressure to do anything. <laughs> it's like, you want to play cards around? And you're like, no, but I, I was holding onto my deck. Like I wouldn't let yeah. it go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was just, it was, 
<laughs> it was just funny to me. Like when I, when I think about that, because that's something that like, okay, try to act that, try to act that intellectually. You know what I mean? You, it doesn't work. You got to like, you got to kind of go into the emotional understanding of, of where that was. I mean, even for me to like, look back at myself in that moment, it was like, I was like a character, <laughs> Yeah. but it was like, I was like a character because I was at a moment where I'm like, well, this is me being more authentically me. This is more, I think, cause I'm, you know, I think the thing is, is like, there's a lot of pressure in the world to, I don't know, be adult, right. To be like responsible, to take care of business, to do all this stuff. And so what ends up happening is I think there's a good side of that, but I think what ends up happening is we grow up and then we start suppressing our real genuine nature. Mm-hmm. And I think it becomes hard to be an artist if you suppress your nature a lot, which I yeah. found last year, what I was kind of at the beginning of the year was like, I, I felt like over the years before that, cause I had gone through a little bit of a depression. I had really suppressed my nature mm-hmm. cause I, I, know I felt hurt, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't really matter. And I felt like I needed to grow up or something. And so then I hit this point where I realized, man, I've really suppressed my nature. And actually, to be honest, it didn't even happen last year. It happened the year before. So it's, you know, it's probably been about a year and a half of yeah. the transition out of, out of that. And I still think I'm making headway, but it's like, I, I just got to a point where I was like, this adulting that I'm doing <laughs> is bullshit. It's yeah. not working. I'm not happy. And like, life is not like, like, this isn't what I signed up for. And that's actually, I think kind of partly why I think this movie we're about to make is so important. Cause I think both these characters have hit that point where I've tried to do everything right. I tried to do it. And you know what, this is where it got me and I'm not happy. And this is what it added up to. And now I'm going to start living my life for me. But the thing is, it's like I said earlier in this conversation, it's got to get worse before it gets better. Yeah. And that's just how, you know, once you start, once you, and that's the thing, man, you got to start feeling again. Yeah. You know, once you suppress and repress all these feelings, they have to come back out now. And when they come back out, you know, they're going to kind of, some of them are going to be ugly. You know what I mean? And some of them are going to be hard to move, but you move them and eventually the basement's clear and you're free, you know, and that's kind of how you have to do it. Yeah. And I think that's like, I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't really know that, but like in hindsight, I mean, it's also obvious. Yeah. But I think that's the thing too, is like, you know, you you start to be able to come more self-expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I think it's kind of finding your way back to it. I mean, recently I came across that quote, Ursula Le Guin, the, um, the creative adult is the child who survived. Mm. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it is. It's it's just like, yeah, totally. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, so you got what do you want to talk about this beer? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, so this is a brass neck special. Brass neck special. Brass neck special. It's a multi bison. Ooh, I think I've had this one before. We might've had this on the show. I'm not really sure. I, I don't know. know. I didn't th- really do a taste test. We kind of did a taste test before the show started, but you said it was cloudy. It was probably half a bison. It's, they call it a multi bison. Yeah. It's like a multivitamin, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also like a half a bison. Um, I thought it was a good choice today because um, I was going to go with something super hoppy, but I was like, uh, you know, we've been doing all these dark kind of like multi beers recently cause it's winter. And I'm yeah. like, let's just like pretend it's summer for a day. <laughs> <laughs> but this is almost like a good go between. Like it's a nice, yeah, it's a little darker, but it's a little bit yeah. darker. It's got a lot of like richness to it still. 
Yeah, exactly. No, I, I think I had this one a little while ago with some friends, hmm. um, and brass neck. I don't think I we just, ever had this one. On I don't the think show. we've had this one on the show, but yeah. I have had the multivison and I was floored by it then. And I'm floored by it now. You like it? Huh? It's so good. Yeah. It's really good. It's, it's, um, it's really nice when it's like, this is one of those beers when it's, when we just poured that glass fresh and it was ice cold. Oh man. It's like, you know, there's maltier ones we've been having those kind of ales and stuff when they yeah, kind yeah. of get room temperature. I I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. But this one, the colder, the better. It's like, I don't know, there's something about the crispness of it. That's like, well, I mean, there's more in the fridge. Yeah. I'm going to top some up. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe go on a monologue. <laughs> <laughs> but soft what light through yonder window breaks oh dude i have to tell you i wrote a poem actually the other night after we had christine bissonette on the podcast our spoken word poet yeah and yeah. writer yeah, not just writer. a spoken word poet but but she inspired she's me amazing she inspired me and it was weird because i was uh i don't know i haven't written a poem really in like a decade and like back when I was like 16, 17, I got a couple poems published. And even when I was about to go to university, um, I was considering even kind of going into like the English poetry kind of, it's not really a minor, but like going and studying a lot of courses in that realm. Then I ultimately decided against it, but kind of my poetry explorations really kind of ended there for the most part. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I think the last poems I wrote, I think I was 18. Cause I remember there I was, I moved out to Vancouver with my dad Yeah. and I remember staying up and I was writing, I was just writing poems like back to back to back. And then I just took them all and I put them all in a file and I still have them. But then after that, I really don't even think I remember ever writing poems really after that. It was kind of like, it was just done. It was like this little chapter in my life. Yeah. But then last night or not last night, it was a few nights ago. It, it was weird. It was cause I've been staying up writing and all this stuff and um, I, I don't know. I just like, I got sparked and then all of a sudden I started writing and, but it was like interesting. Cause like, instead of writing, like I write a lot of journal stuff or I write a lot of stuff where I like express stuff very clearly. But with this, I was like, like the way I was expressing it was like with the play on words and stuff, you know, like just almost like I, I had this, um, motif that kind of kept running through it. It was like the blood ran down his sleeve you know, and that kind of kept coming up in the poem, but you know, when you wear your heart on your sleeve, mm. but this, this, um, this, this whole character who's probably just really me, <laughs> <laughs> but his broken heart and the blood was running down his sleeve because of his broken heart. Cause he mm. wears his heart on his sleeve kept. And it was like super, like I was, I was being moved by this image. Yeah. And so then of course this whole poem came out of it was really unique. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, um, that's kind of cool. Cause you know, we have a guest on here and then the, like I, I walked away and I felt inspired and like I did something that I haven't done in a decade because of a, like, and what a, what an amazing opportunity. Absolutely. Get, that's know? so amazing. Yeah. I was, I was thinking after it's interesting because I, after our, our talk with her, because you know, I'd been thinking about, you know, doing something with, um, with pocket live TV to some extent, you know, partially for, um, you know, like to maybe do some things for like teaching, um, and lessons and like that for, for acting. Uh, but I thought, wouldn't that be interesting if you got like actors to perform 
um, these poems by spoken word poets, like to see what an actor would do with somebody else's words. Yeah. Right. And create another, because the spoken word poetry, it is very much performance. And I was interested, like, well, how could a, a, what might a actor who's maybe never seen this poem performed before, how would an actor interpret it? Or, and possibly for myself, it's like, what would I do with somebody's original content like this, you know, and, and the life that you might find in it? Yeah, totally. Well, you know what I did? I mean, I've been recording all these pocket live, um, broadcasts. And so I have the camera there set up. And after I wrote the poem, I just recorded it a few times, just looking into the camera and communicating it like a monologue. Yeah. And then I just kind of put those, actually, I think I even just deleted them, but I just did it more for me. Mm -hmm. But it was interesting to say the words out loud because after I wrote them and then to say them out loud, I mean, there's this one point in the poem where it was something like, what was the line? Um, I have the poem still written, but I don't know if like line (laughs) line. Yeah. But there was a line, uh, I'm trying to remember anyway, where it hit me in a way, which was like, I don't know, like really like accessed a lot of depth. And then there was another line where it hit me in a way where it created this like huge amount of elation and joy. And I was thinking like, there's like, there's like, there's like the, there's, there's this thing about art. Like there's different ways to experience the same piece of art. Like, you know, like when you write it, you experience it a certain way, but then when you read it and try to communicate it as like spoken, it's like, it brings up a whole nother thing. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's interesting. You know, it's interesting how like there's a different, I don't know. There's, they're, they're similar, but there's this different experience of it all. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, but I think it's really interesting what you're saying. It'd be great. Like it'd be great to see someone else like read that poem out and to see what, what, like an actor to read that out like, and to see how they would interpret what I, what I had written. It would be quite Mm -hmm. neat, I think. Yeah. And a good one. And a good one. A good one. And that's some, (laughs) not a crappy one. That's some hack. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, um, How's things been going for you? Otherwise, what have you been up to? Oh, well, I guess now it's like I've, my mind has been on, um, revisiting the script for the movie that we're shooting in May. Yeah. And, uh, and revisiting that. I'm just kind of wrapping my head around revisiting this thing that I wrote a number of years ago. Mm -hmm. Right. And, uh, and also because there's some, some changes that I want to make for it. Right. And, uh, that are, you know, the core of the script is, is not going to change really, but there are certain things about some of the characters that are actually quite big changes Hmm. for them. Right. But, uh, it's, it makes it more dynamic and moving for me uh, to, to do those changes. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about reapproaching it just because I'm like, Oh, what am I going to think of, of, of it after? Like, I guess it hasn't been that long since I've gone through it again. Um, and the last time I went through it, I was actually quite happy with a lot of it, Hmm. even though I did tweak and rework 
some things and I was just like, oh, what was that kind of, <laughs> you know, but that, that, that's to be expected. I mean, there's just stuff that doesn't come out the way that you thought it did or the way that you had intended it to be. And you can, you can tweak and edit until, you know, you could do it infinitely. You, you would never settle on something. I remember hearing a writer one time, I went to see a play and there was a talk back session at the end and the writer was actually, um, one of the lead actors in it. And so he was answering questions and, and somebody had asked him about writing and, and, you know, how long he'll, he'll work on something. And he said, well, you know, like he didn't really have a definite answer to it. And he says, but eventually it's like, you know, you just reach a point where you say, okay, like I'm, I'm finished with, with this now. Like I'm yeah. not, <laughs> I'm not writing anymore on this. I'm not tweaking anything anymore. Like I'm just, this is it. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know how much better, you know, a, a change in this little line here or in this little part here is going to make, make it overall. So yeah, I guess that's been, been my big thing. I mean, there's just a lot of stuff happening this year for me. Yeah. And for, and for us, you know, cause shooting this film and, and yeah, and getting married and, and getting stuff going with, uh, and, and, and a book that I'm wanting to release by the end of February, mm-hmm. um, which I'm excited about and, and yeah, releasing super that. Excited. So yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, I don't know if I have anything specific that's come up for me in that, in that realm. I think that we've already touched a little bit, a little bit on that as far as, uh, you know, our, our obstacles and the things and, and, you know, the, the amount of stuff that I have on my plate this year, probably like, honestly, like a year ago, I probably, I probably would have been like having a panic attack. Yeah. I hear and, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, cool. I don't know how this is going to get done, but it's going to get done. Yeah. And, you know, and, and actually, you know, taking action and coming up with, um, ways of moving forward with it. Right. As opposed to just being like, okay, when am I going to get started on this stuff? Or when is this going to be done by, like we did our, uh, our production meeting live on your channel a little while ago. And that was, and that was great. Like yeah, just to good. like start, start putting some things with some deadlines on it. And which is, again, that's one of those things that normally just like, gets me like, that just like freaks a part of me out that just that, and that will stop me from doing this. Like, Oh, I don't want to set a deadline. And then, because then, you know, I don't know, you're, you're to a degree responsible for it, but you're always responsible. You're always responsible. And (laughs) the things, and I think that that doesn't quite cover it. You know, it's like people are just like, Oh, it's because it makes you responsible. It's like, like, yeah, you make a good point. Well, you're always responsible for it, but I think it's just, it makes it really, you've now decided to face your shit. Yeah. When you do it, you know, like you, you've really decided to face your crap. And I think that's the responsibility that's like, that's you're you don't really get told about, you know, it's, it's, that's really what it comes down to is you having to face the things that have been stopping you from doing it to begin with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, and I think it comes kind of comes back to what I was saying earlier. Like it's your emotional response to that, that matters, not the thing. Like, cause this year, I mean, if everything provided, everything goes the way that, you know, I want to go, there's a weird monkey wrench that gets thrown in, which, you know, whatever you got to just kind of go what it is. But my ideal way that this whole year is going to play out is, um, by the, by the end of this year, I want us to have at least 20,000 followers on our podcast, Twitter account. Yeah. Currently we're at like 46, 4,500, 4,600 or something. So, um, and we grew since October, we've grown basically, you know, 4,300, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a reach, but we are getting like compound interest. So we're getting more followers. Uh, you know, things are getting, you know, we have a larger audience, our audience shares whatever this pocket live thing is growing yeah. pretty quick for me. Um, my own personal account, you know, is skyrocketing as well. Plus then the BC film Academy, which, you know, I, we did the soft launch with that, which is going to probably have its like full launch here in like end of January, February. Um, you know, so all of that stuff is all coming together. Um, you know, so I want that to happen. Um, my personal, my personal one, I, I, you know, I, I wouldn't even be surprised. And what I want it to get to is like 25,000, which really makes me super uncomfortable. But you know, when I started this year, I also said with pocket live, I wanted to have a thousand followers. But as we look on there, it's already 1100 and something. There might even be more. I don't know. I can't see it. So that happened within like basically the first month of even launching this thing, you know, and it started out, I was only, I only had like 20 and 40 and then all of a sudden it started to grow a little bit more. And then in the last few weeks, it's or last week or so or two, it's just been like a lot more people. So that's kind of that compound interest kind of happening, I guess. And so like, um, what I'm really trying to embrace this year from that front is that where I'm at today is not where I will be at tomorrow. So I should not base my goals today on where I am today. I should base them on where I'm planning to get to. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too, is to hold myself accountable so that I can get to the place where I want to get to. So the things I want can happen. But I also want us to make on the highway and produce that and both act in it. And then I want to, um, you know, I want to shoot this other feature come fall and I'd like to get a month into Europe in the middle of the year, which is important to me. And I would even like, cause we got invited down to Paramount to go and, you know, go on the lot and connect with people. I really want that to happen. And there's these things I want to happen and I really do want them to yeah. happen. And so there's this part of me that's a little bit like, well, this is super scary. Like, I don't know if all that can happen and there's even more, but I don't know if all that can happen. And so I go, well, there's a quote I came across and it said, don't, what was it? It's something like, don't downgrade your dream to fit your circumstances. I'm totally misquoting, but it's something like that. You're going to pull an Evan. I'm pulling an Evan. (laughs) (laughs) Basically don't, don't downgrade your dreams to meet your situation, up your conviction to match your dreams or something like that. Right. Right. And so I just thought, well, what way am I going? Am I downgrading my dream to meet my circumstances or am I, or am I going to up my conviction to meet my dream? And so I decided this year up your conviction and what I'm doing, cause I'm not going to, I just like, and I had a, I had a heart to heart myself. I'm like, Hey dude, like, and this is me talking to me. I'm like, yeah. you don't have the strength yet to be that kind of guy yet. You just don't. 
you, you just like you can't get in the ring with like the heavyweight champion of the world. You you haven't trained. You're not there. So that's reality. But that doesn't mean you can't. So what do you got to do to train? What what's the first step? So what I've been doing is with every little thing is just get out of neutral and get into first gear. So that's the thing. So like, for example, you writing your script, best advice I could give you. All you got to do is like, you don't feel like writing, just pick up your script, read a page. doesn't matter. Make it small. Cause you know, what'll happen is tomorrow you'll be able to read too. Yeah. And you always get better. And the thing is, is that what killed me last year with my dreams, and I should say what really killed my dreams from, from really happening. And a lot of my goals from happening last year was that I didn't get out of neutral into first gear enough because I have found that once I get into first gear, it's actually pretty hard to get me to stop moving. But if I stay in neutral, it's hard to get me to move at all. Mm -hmm. So all I can really say is like, you just got to get out of neutral and into first gear. And like, I think like we had a great first production meeting, like in our first call just before that was like, let's just take a look at our lives. And I was thinking about, I'm like, this is just something small. Like, I don't like, I'm not, I, don't know what, I don't know. Like it is overwhelming, but I'm like, and then the next day we got most of our production things later. We did a really good meeting. Yeah. I think if we just keep doing that, you know, and it's like all things, it's like with this script that we're working on in development. I'm like, it's not working. I'm like, let's just talk about the story. Let's yeah. throw some ideas back and forth. You know what? If nothing happens tonight, no problem, but it's better than us going, Oh, well, neither of us have any ideas. Let's not talk. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just chip away at it, yeah. chip away at it. Because sometimes it's like, you know, you feel like you've got, you've got nothing. And next thing you, know, you just like, you know, you just hit at the right spot and like, and then all the floodgates open. Yeah. When you said, you know, like, it's just, just the right, it doesn't take much. And suddenly everything is open to you mm-hmm. and you don't even know how it happened. It's like, you just go zero to a hundred and totally in two seconds. And right? this whole idea of like compound interest is really what I've been really trying to embrace because like the whole idea, like, you know, and people have asked me like, dude, how do you, how are you growing so quickly on Twitter? How are you doing that? And like, you must be paying for it. I'm like, I, I have literally not paid a penny. Every single person I've uh, who follows me or I follow or whatever is an earned person who I reached out and connected with. And like, how are you doing it? And I said, well, the, the, at the very bottom line of it, there's a few things that I'm doing, but at the very bottom line is that I really truly believe that if I make one real connection, I can make, they'll introduce me to two real connections because they'll retweet something and that will probably get connected to some other real people who they're connected with. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if I meet someone in person. It doesn't matter if I meet someone on Twitter. It doesn't matter. It's the same principle. Those two people, if I genuinely connect with either of them, if they respond, because sometimes people will tweet and say, Hey, you know, nice yeah. to know you or a nice tweet. I'll respond to them. Yeah. If I respond to them, that makes really a genuine connection. Now we've actually connected. We're not just like two faces, two profiles. We're actually like, they said something and I responded. So there's something real there Yeah, that will lead to, they'll each lead to two more. So it went from, you know, it went from one to two to four to eight, you know, and it'll keep going. And so what ends up happening is there's this compound interest point where yeah. you have so many real connections that are giving you referrals and sharing and whatever, that what ends up happening is things start growing at an exponential rate. And so like, it was interesting because when we started the new year, um, like at the end of December, I was like, or maybe it was actually this last month, really probably from like Christmas until about, you know, just really yesterday, 
I basically said, you know what, I'm just going to put Twitter to the side for the most part for probably, I guess, almost 20 days, which is the, you know, the, I had, I'd been tweeting, but I'd been doing the bare minimum. Yeah. And we were growing our, just our podcast without me doing anything. We were growing like 30, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 people per day without doing really anything mm-hmm. without doing like other, anything other than maybe tweeting something. So what's really interesting about that is when I started growing our Twitter account, having 60 people follow us in a day was the best I'd ever experienced. And now without doing anything other than a tweet, 60 people follow us. Like, it's amazing. Like, think about that. Like, so it does, I don't have to lift as much. I don't have to do as much work to get the same result anymore. Right. So what I'm really like trying to embrace this year is that by the time we get to the fall, when I'm, when I'm taking on this feature, which I've signed on to do, we'll have already made our feature. We'll have already built our Twitter. We'll have already kind of done so many things. Um, I'll, you know, I've built myself in a certain way that I'm preparing for who I need to be when I get there. And there's a part of me that goes, well, maybe you're not ready yet. But like, if I, if I take on, maybe you're not ready yet. And I live that I'll never be ready. Yeah. So now it's like, right now I'm in training. I just look at it as training, but also it's performing and it's in the real world. But at the same time, when I make that next feature, that's training for the next feature I'm going to make after that. So it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm just embracing this mentality that it's all leading to bigger things. Yeah. And I won't be ready. If I, if I know what's going to happen after the feature I do in the fall, I'll be really scared. Yeah. No, (laughs) it's like, yeah, this whole thing. We did a podcast on that recently. That was all about being ready. Yeah. I think it was like, how do you know when you're ready? (laughs) Which sounded like we were talking about something else, but, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, you don't, you don't know you're ready. You don't know you're ready. And, and you know what? It's not going to be flawless. Like go and like, like, you know, you talked about like walking on the high wires. Like, you know, you can read a textbook about, you know, concepts and how to do it. But I mean, when you get up there, I don't care how well you read that book, you got to get up there and you got to feel what it's like to be balancing on that high wire. And chances are you're going to fall a shit ton of times yeah. because you can't learn how to really walk it through, you know, again, that your logic mind, mm-hmm. right? Like it can give you some guidance. Well, you know, it's I can never give you the experience of it. I did an, an, a pocket live breakdown of Goodwill hunting and we were talking about will hunting in the movie. And we broke down that scene with Robin Williams and Robin Williams calls him out. He said, you don't know what it's like to be sitting next to your dying wife and visiting hours don't matter. Basically that's what he said, right? He's like, because you'll quote me something out of a book or whatever, but yeah. you haven't been yeah. there. You haven't experienced and you don't know what love is essentially. And that's the thing until you've like experienced love until you've, until you've experienced these things until you've been on set and know what it's like when you're losing light and you can't get the shots you want until you've experienced <laughs> that you don't know what it's like. So for someone to sit back, who's never made a film and judge that someone who's never been in love to look at a relationship and say like, they know what that is. You don't because you didn't have the courage to go out and do it. So like, I don't want to live a life. I don't like, I don't care what anyone else does. You know, I, I care about them, but they have their own choices in life. But I personally do not want to live a life where I did not go for it. I just do not want to walk. I just do not want to be on my last breath and be like, I should have done it. And so like, you know, this year was like, 
Like I literally wrote in my journal, I'm like, this year's fucking do or die. Like, yeah. and I'm not kidding. Like this year, either I fucking jump off a bridge or I fucking <laughs> make my dream. And I was like, that's gotta be the consequences at this point, because there is no fucking way that I'm going to live out my life and not have done what I said I would do. Yeah. There's just no way. And you know what? I might fall flat on my face, but I'll tell you what, going after this film and making this stuff happen. If I have to like basically eat shit and, and I'm going to totally fall on my face and I'm going to embarrass myself, do it. And it's going to totally fall apart and it's going to obliterate everything I think I built in my life. Then good. Cause I'll have done it doing what I love, but I'm not going to, I'm not, this is not happening. You know what I mean? And I, and I got, I just got pissed off about it in a way where I was like, yeah, that's the fire I need. That's what I need. That's the kind of drive I need to have because like all this fear bullshit, you know, it's like, this is not guiding my life anymore. Cause I feel like 2016 for me and what pissed me off about 2016, not about anybody else except myself was I was scared. I was scared and I was a wimp. Yeah. And you know what? I look back now and I go, I have compassion for that guy, but no more. You don't guide this anymore. Now it's, now it's courage. Courage guides this year. But you know, it's my life. You know, know what's so interesting is that the thing is, is that you've had, you've, you've had that experience, that experience of being in that place Mm. is what has given you the resolve that you have now. Right. Which is like, (laughs) you don't want to come back to process, right? Like sometimes you do, you've got to trust the process because yeah, like it's like, I feel in very much this, the, the same way where it's just like, well, I don't really have a choice about whether or not I'm going to get these things done. I've got all these things to do this year. They've just got to get done Yeah. because when else am I going to do them? Right? Like it's just, it's yeah. Like you got to take choice out of it at a certain point. I've already made the choice January 1st, 2017. I made the choice that this was happening. It's not up for debate anymore. It's not an obligation, but you know what? Fear, whatever bullshit comes in my way, take everything from me. It's not up for debate anymore. Mm -hmm. It's happening. I already made the decision. So screw off. You know, like that's basically how I look at it. So when these fears or these things come up, I'm like, it doesn't matter what you say to me. You could say you're going to kill my whole family. You should say, you could just give me everything. It doesn't matter. This is happening. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, there's a certain point where you get that kind of resolve where it's like, like I, I, you know, I had it when I was younger, but it was not from a place of like, it was, it was kind of sometimes from a place of naivete, right? Yeah, exactly. It was from that like blind childish, almost like, Oh yeah, I'll do anything. But now there's something admirable about that. Yeah. Which is nice. Right. But now it's from this place of like, no, I know what it's like to not have it, you know? And like, there's, there's nothing that's breaking, broken my heart more than having to admit that I temporarily sold out on my dream. There's nothing that is, and, but I'm glad I have that pain. I'm not like, you know, I needed it. I needed to do that because that's just my journey. And it had to get to that point. And the thing is now you really know it. And now you can really actively make different choices and you can help other people make that choice as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then, you know, like, I think the thing is, is like, I was trying to last year, I was like, well, like, I want that fire. I want that desire. Last couple of years, really. I want that desire back maybe three years, even really. It's just, it's been like the last three years have been this kind of whirlwind of personal growth. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I say that because it's been a whirlwind of ups and downs and roller coaster rides and personal hardships and all sorts of stuff. But I was like, I want that fire back, that fire I had in the beginning, you know, how do I get that? And like, now I got it, but I'll tell you how I got it back. It was like what I just said to you. It was like, you got to get to the point where you kind of, you look, you got to raise the stakes. That's like, it's really just that simple. Yeah. You know, like look at your script, right? Every time you think, man, I don't know if I want to look at this script. Just think about this. It may never get made if you don't look at it. Like if you don't look at it now and you don't, if you don't do the work right now to get it made for May 3rd, it may never get made. It might as well be thrown on a fire and it can be a nice memory you had. Yeah. So you look at that and you start feeling that and you start getting real with that. You're going to be like, I don't care if this is a piece of shit. We're making it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because what's the alternative? The alternative is just, and that's like a movie, right? It's not, it's not livable. It's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise it's just like, yeah, I wrote a script once. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Twice, right? a few times. But they say but. that, they say that every movie needs a champion and especially like an indie, especially like an indie, like, yeah. like a drama like yours, especially a Canadian film you needs a champion. Right. And so like, you know, it's, we're going to, we're going to champion it. It's just like, you know, and there's like, and if you're down, I'm going to be pulling you out of the ditch. I don't care. <laughs> like, it's like, you're, Oh I'll no, come, I, I got, no, but I know you're gonna, but yeah. I, I'll come knock on your door at 5am and I'll be like, get out of bed. We're doing this. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Cause like, that's how committed I am at this point. But it's like, and, and I think that's the good thing about having a partner that is committed because then they can help you, you know, because then you'll, there's going to be a day where I'm not as like, I'm kind of questioning and you'll be committed. And that's the nice thing of the team. Yeah. Because right? when you're all on your own, you don't necessarily have someone checking in on you, but you can't, not every team works. And we've had partnership talk on the podcast too. listen to that one guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's kind of, and I want to be that partner for you. You know, I want to be that guy that's like, a champion there and, you know, and, and is there and is, is, you know, gonna, gonna help. Right. And I, and it's not just about me. I mean, it's about us. This is, you know, you wrote the thing, but it's important project to me too, just as much because I think not just because you wrote it, but because I actually think it's a really important story for our entire generation to hear. Cause there's not like, no one's really, no one's at least not yet has put out in my opinion, a really good story for our generation about what it's like and how misplaced we all are. Like no one's really done it like in a way where you've done it. And to me, I go, you know, that's why this film has to be made. And if you're listening to this podcast, maybe that'll enroll you to actually want to see this film because I think it needs to be told, you know, because there's, there is something about our generation where we were raised with, you know, that baby boomer industrial life of like, you know, go and get your degree, go buy a house, get married, do all this stuff. And a lot of us did it. And a lot of us are like, Mm, it didn't, it's not what we thought. It's yeah. not what we were sold. And we're, and, and, we're and, even the, and even the expectation that we were supposed to have more, right. To do more than, than the previous generation. Mm-hmm. Right. In terms of, but you know, I, it's interesting because I feel like in always like we are doing more, but it doesn't look the same. Yeah. At all. Like, cause before it was like, it was very much material success, you know, like it was like, well, you know, it's like the house, the car and blah, blah, blah. So it's like, so what are we supposed to do? Like the, the mansion and like the nicer car and like the <laughs> swimming pool and like, like what, like, is yeah. that what we're supposed to have? Right. And, um, 
And so it's, yeah, it's, it's very, it's interesting. And that's, I think what's part of this rewrite for the script that's that I'm going to be doing that, you know, those things were kind of permeating underneath the surface, but I was definitely not necessarily conscious at very conscious of it when I was writing it. Mm -hmm. Um, and now I'm more conscious of it, uh, in terms of some of those elements and themes to bring, to bring into it. Um, so that's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm, I I don't know how that's going to entirely work. I know I'll figure it out, but yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, well, I mean, you're going to, you know, you, you got the nice thing about this particular script is in my opinion, is you wrote it at a time in your life when it was emotionally, you were in it. And so there's an authenticity to the characters being in it without, it's not like a, an onlooker. It's like someone who's actually in it is writing it for the people who are in it. And yeah. then now with our wisdoms and our life experience and stuff, cause it's been a few years now we can look back with our wisdoms and awarenesses and we can add that on is like, it's more of an icing to the whole cake. It might inform some of the things. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the core element of that whole script is all there. And I like yeah. the way it is right now, but, but the way it's going to be, I have no doubt it's going to be yeah. the next well, level. I mean, the new things yeah. are going to, I think they'll fit because thematically what I was going for when I wrote it, it was all based around this thought, this idea, this sort of question that had entered into my consciousness at the time, which was what if you're exactly where you're supposed to be? Right. And that was at a time when I was feeling like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I had in my younger naivete, (laughs) I was just like, Oh yeah. Like I, I, I remember like graduating high school and literally like a few days later just being like, Oh yeah, man, I'm going to start like, I'm going to be auditioning this summer. I'm going to book a bunch of big movies this year and blah, 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 blah. And it's just like, Whoa, Holy shit, man. Like I got hit like in the face with like some crazy reality. Hmm. You know, it wasn't that I was doing a bad job. It was just that I wasn't getting auditions, but it was just there was nothing coming. Mm-hmm. Right. And then you, you also, you're like, Oh, this is a little harder than I thought it was going to be. And blah. And next thing you know, it's, you know, you thought that in a few years you were going to be, you know, in, in big auditioning for like the, the biggest stuff and you're uh, well on your way to becoming a big <laughs> A-lister. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you're like, Holy shit. Like I'm nowhere even close to that or it doesn't feel that way. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now what, right? Like in your, and you're trying to sort those things out. And that was kind of the place that I was in when I wrote the script. Mm -hmm. Right. So it was like, well, what if you're exactly where you're supposed to be? And it was an interesting and appealing notion to me at that time for sure. Right. It's like, okay, like trust, trust that maybe this is exactly what's supposed to be happening right now. And, and so I think that still, that's all going to work very nicely with, um, I think it's going to work very nicely with the stuff that's going to be brought into it. So it's, it's going to be like a, like time, like one time period of my life mixed with like this, like new time period of my life. Yeah. And, uh, I, I don't know what kind of, how that's going to alchemize, but it's going to be interesting. Alchemize. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you are where you're supposed to be. 
That's a good, it's a good reminder, man. I mean, I think, um, you know, and you said earlier too, like it's, it's what, what I, I went through personally, which gave me that resolve, which is, you know, it's true. I mean, that's, and that's something I'm really, I'm really trying to fully embrace and accept, um, and, and just own the fact that everything that has happened was a gift and not like some kind of setback. Cause sometimes it feels like a setback. It feels like, you know, if this and this and this didn't happen, then, you know, I wouldn't have had these, I wouldn't have had this problem. Right. But then if this and this and this didn't happen and I didn't go through what I went through, there's all this whole, there's this whole other side of things, which isn't maybe like, maybe I might've had more external success in a certain way, but like, where would I be internally lacking? You know what I mean? And, and I just think we live in a culture right now where people don't, aren't kind of raised to really recognize internal growth. We're, we're more like, well, if someone drives a sports car and they have a mansion, they have a lot of money and they're famous. Well, they're, they're, they're good. And it's like, why is that worth more than someone who's like, you know, like a sage and they're like wise and they have this like internal, uh, sense of peace and they've seen some shit and come back from it. Yeah. Like, why is that not looked at as the same value as someone who has stuff? And the thing is, is like, you know, someone might be thinking like, yeah, well they just want the external thing. And I totally get that. Cause when I was younger. That's what I thought it was all about. But now I'm really beginning to see why it's so important. And so the other thing too, is it doesn't mean you can't have both. <clears throat> but you can, sometimes I think you can only get one if the other is gone. Like the material world is like the material world to me kind of, I still want to participate in. I mean, don't get me wrong. I still want to have money. I still would mind having a little bit of recognition or fame so that I could get more of the roles and do more of the projects I want to do. Don't, don't get me wrong. I mean, I still want that stuff. I'd like to drive sports cars. I'd like to be able to travel the world, but um, it's based on experience. Yeah. But lots of people travel the world and drive sports cars and have careers like that. But I don't know if they necessarily have that internal fulfillment. Cause mm-hmm. I know a lot of wealthy people, like, especially being a filmmaker, this is what, you know, where I'm at, this is what happens. But, and I've seen a lot of people that they don't seem very happy to me. If I, you know, when I look at them, I go, I wouldn't trade shoes with them. But my idea of it's like, but if I had what they had, it'd be different for me. Yeah. But it's like, I have to remember, like they went through their own life experience and they maybe never went through. Like the other thing too, is I look at some people who have like a lot of money and they have a lot of quote unquote success, but they didn't do what they loved. They went out and did the job they were supposed to do. And now they got rewarded for that. And that's really great. But like, like, like I've had people expressed to me who are like, you know, like quite a bit older than me and say like, you know, I never really did what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm trying to do, now I'm older, now I'm trying to do it. But like, you know what I mean? Like there's kind of like this, you know, I have to like give myself a little bit of tribute for the fact that I went out and I maybe did the choice that was maybe a little bit more courageous in that sense, but was a little more risky. Mm-hmm. And you know, and not beat myself up because it, 
Cause I didn't get both. Cause like, like you were saying, like, I'm going to go in the next couple years and I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be on my way to, I, I had that same yeah. thing. Right. And I thought I could have both. I thought I could take the risk, but I'd win the lottery too. You know, and it is kind of a lottery when you play it that way. Cause you don't really know what you're doing. Yeah. And so and, like, you know, and the thing that's yeah. so interesting about that too, is that it's like, you know, it was, you talk about that, that fire, you know, it's like, and I've thought about that too. It's like, Oh, I wish I had that fire. You know, there was like a kind of a fearlessness about at one point how I was as an actor, right. Where it was just like, yeah, like I'm stepping in, like, like I'm great. Like I just felt like I'm yeah. great. Are you kidding me? Like I'm the fucking star of my high school, you know, like, <laughs> like I won like all of the acting awards. I got like scholarships for this shit. Like I am, I'm ready. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'm bringing the thunder. I'm good. Yeah. And and you get hit with like a little bit of that resistance. Mm. Right. And, and it just like knocks you right down. It's like, well, you know, if you get some success right away and you're like, yeah, I'm so great. And then boom, it's gone. Like you hit that resistance. Like, I don't know how I would have handled that if like things had gone a different way. Yeah. Right. And I, I don't, you know, you can sort of play with these as hypotheticals. It wasn't what I was supposed to do. Right. It wasn't how, I feel like my path was supposed to go because it ended up showing me that what I was actually looking for was something quite a bit different Mm. and led me down a path of, of learning about my craft and learning about art in a, in a much deeper and more meaningful way. Right. So I feel like if I were to have that kind of success now, that I'd have a much different mindset about how it is about what it's going to actually give me hmm. and what it's not going to give me. Um, you know, I've been going through, you had a long time ago, you had told me about, uh, Frank Kern's core, like his, his big, like core influence, core identity speech, Yeah, which, uh, I would highly recommend anybody who got two hours at least to watch it and then spending the time to to do the, go through the questions is really quite phenomenal in terms of shifting our perspectives and how we set our goals for ourselves in, in essence. But his story was very interesting to me and it speaks to what you're, you're talking about, which is that he had a lot of money. <laughs> he had made a ton of money he has very successful business. He had multiple like revenue streams coming through to him that he didn't really have to put a lot of work into. And in his story, he said, we were, he's like me and my wife, we were literally just like when we were looking to move, we were just literally seeing what the most expensive house was in these different areas. Right. Just, just because we could. And he's like, and he was, and basically saying like, and I was absolutely miserable like I had the car, I had the mansion, I had all of these things. I was making good money, blah, blah, blah. And I was miserable, absolutely miserable. And, uh, and that led him to a shift in perception about what he was doing, Mm -hmm. the kind of life that he wanted, like the, uh, having some sense of, of deeper, meaningful purpose in, in his life. And then getting connected to that, not only was he happier in his life, his businesses 
became more successful while also having a life that was more fulfilling. Mm. So it's, it's interesting. I think that sometimes like, you know, they say, be careful what you wish for. Right. Like sometimes we get the things that we ask for and we really have absolutely no idea what that actually all really entails. Yeah. And some of these things require uh, a maturity, especially when it comes to like fame and, and fortune and stuff like that. Like there are so many tales of people who just imploded under that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, they just, they lose it all like being reckless and whatever, or they, I don't know, get into all kinds of like horrible addiction because you get there, you've reached the mountaintop and you're not happy and you're and not so happy. You use drugs to feel happy. Yeah. You know? Cause like, if that doesn't make you happy, then what's going to make you feel happy. And like, I think that's, that's, that's a hard thing when people are trying to go out in the world to try and get happiness and not, and you know, that's what I was doing for most of my life. I mean, was trying to go out in the world to be happy now this year. And I wanted to say like about what you're, what you were just mentioning there, you know, when, when we make our film, uh, on the highway and when I make this next film, which I am not able to say what it is at the moment, um, (laughs) but I will eventually, um, when that actually happens, um, you know, they might not, they might not hit the way that, you know, would be great if they did, they might not find an audience, there might, whatever. Um, but the thing that, the thing that I'm realizing really, and I guess I've been, it's, it hasn't just been this year. It's kind of the end of last year. It really started to really, really land with me. I mean, it had landed a little bit over the last while, but it had really been landing with me in the end of the year. But was that <clears throat> this experience of life I want to have, and I said earlier, I said kind of an extreme is like, it's either I do my dream or I jump off the bridge. But mm. when I say I do my dream, my dream doesn't have to materialize the way that I think I want it to materialize. But what has to happen is I have to be experiencing myself actually going for it. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, it means, it means financing fell through on the movie. Well, I guess we're making it anyway, but we're making it for a fraction of the budget. It means, oh shit, you don't have enough money yet to go to Europe. Well, I guess you're backpacking and hitchhiking. It's like, you know, you just got to go because if you use the external world to excuse yourself from your dream, you'll always do it. There's always a reason to excuse yourself. And like, it's all relative anyway. So you just go, okay, well, that's what we're doing. And you know, when I was younger and I was a kid, I didn't know any better. And I just remember we were at camp and like the best thing I could muster up was to get a camera. I didn't even have an editing system. I didn't have anything. And so my friend had a camera and I said, let's make a movie. I didn't make excuses. I didn't make excuses that it was just going to be him and me and him mostly just filming me. And then all of a sudden, you know, we got my friends enrolled and we got everybody enrolled and we whipped together this movie, which was basically written kind of on the fly. And also like, um, put together by editing it, by just shooting the scene. Like I didn't have an editing machine Yeah. and this fucking film. Yeah. You had to shoot it all like in, and it was hilarious and everybody was laughing. And the thing is, is that we worked with what we had. And I think the most important lesson that I could really take away from that whole experience was that you just work with what you got because you know, I could have, I could have, and I, 
you know, I just didn't even, it wasn't even in my mind at the time, but I could have been like, well, we don't have an editing system and we don't have enough people to like play the parts. So we can't really make the movie. But I just said, let's just make the movie and we'll figure it out. And I think like, that's kind of, um, the mentality that I'm embracing again, you know, and it, it took me kind of until later in life to really realize that I had it when I was 16. I already had the answer. It's like the alchemist. It was, mm-hmm. you were already there when you started it. <laughs> and so it's like, um, I'm realizing like, just listen to that 16 year old, that 16 year old knew, knew, like he might've not had a lot of wisdom. He might've been kind of naive. And he might not have known what the fuck he was doing whatsoever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but his but mentality, he went out and he did it. <laughs> his mentality to not make excuses is a mentality to go for it. And his mentality to just be resourceful. He was 16, you know, you've gone, I've grown so much since then. I have all those skills. And then, then some probably tens, t- 10 times that. So just be resourceful don't worry. But I remember, you know, there was this film, this project, um, a, a TV pilot and UBC TV actually hired me to shoot it. And I remember I showed up with the first pilot episode, 48 pages, put it on their desk and they could not believe it. They were like, how did you do this? And I was like, I went out and I found writers and we, and I, and we had meetings and I put it together and we made this thing. And, and like, they read it and they were like, this is like, you should be pitching this to like a real network or whatever, which I actually intend to one day. But (laughs) the thing is, is that, that, that was resourceful, you know? And I think like, there's, that's the thing. I think that's the thing that I'm like with this conversation. It's funny. It's coming around about way. And maybe it's just me bouncing ideas off of you and hearing myself. (laughs) But I feel like that's part of the lesson that I'm just realizing more and more. It's really hitting home with me is that, this resourcefulness is like, that's all I need this year. If I just rely on that and rely on the fact that I'll figure out a way when the time comes, I'll cross that bridge and I can prepare as much as I want for it right now. But until I'm there in the moment and experiencing it, it, it's going to be what it's going to be. But, but if I have the resolve to say that it's, it's going to happen either way, then it doesn't really matter what it looks like when I get there. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, is that if it looks better, that's wonderful. Like for example, this pocket live thing where, you know, it's been a month and I've already got a thousand followers and I thought it was going to take me 12 months. Something's happened like that. Some things are going to happen the reverse. You think it's going to take you one month and it takes you 12, but it doesn't really matter. What's important is that you stick with it and every once in a while it's going to work the, like in a, in, in, in a way where you get way more than you ever expected. And sometimes you're going to work in a way where you get way less than you ever expected. And the thing is, is you just ha- kind of have to have the resolve to say I'm following through regardless. I've already made the decision. Like when I said that we have to have 20,000 followers, if it doesn't happen by the end of this year, it doesn't mean that that goal stops. It means that that goal carries on into next year. It, the, the goal doesn't stop if it don't hit the deadline, but I absolutely am determined to hit it by the deadline because that's what keeps me accountable. Yeah. And I will only readjust my strategy based on the information I get coming up cause I'll only know better. And then when I get there, but for the time being, there is a little bit of faith that's going on right now because I look at it and I go, well, um, I don't know if it's even going to be feasible with all my other goals to maintain the level of interactivity that I'm having. So I am relying a little bit on my audience and, and what I've earned to help me grow. 
And with Pocket Live, I found that look, look at all those likes that just came through. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. So <laughs> basically what happened there for our podcast audience, if you've never been on Pocket Live, it's we're live broadcasting this and people are watching us live as we talk. And so when people come in and they like the channel, they're showing support. But you see that what happens is it's, it's my mind is changing about the whole idea that I don't have to, whatever my goal is, I don't have to do it alone. And you and I, when we make this film, we're not alone. We have us, we have our whole podcast audience, we have our whole pocket live audiences, and we have each one of our friends. And if we've really earned real friendship with them, we have their audiences too. So we have this massive world that's just there waiting to help us. And I bet you, I bet I will put my life on it, that if you and I reached out tomorrow to Facebook and said, this is what we need, I guarantee someone would say, I'll help you out. Yeah, I guarantee it. And that's the thing is when, when you get your mind and this is the thing I'm really trying to do, because I think I've been a bit of a lone wolf for a lot of years. It's like when I get my mind out of the fact that I don't have to do all of this alone and I start to see that there's other people out there, then my world grows. And I start to see this thing that seemed impossible is very possible because it's not it like, maybe I can't do it, but someone else out there can, and I know them or I can get connected. Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, to, to go into sort of my favorite voice, one of my favorite voices right now, Simon (laughs) Sinek, like one of his videos, he was talking about like these five sort of, you know, rules, not necessarily rules, but just like five pieces of advice kind of thing. And, and one of them was, and he says like, if you can learn this, like this one, like it'll change your life. And it was, he said, learn to ask for help. Hmm like ask for help and give people help when they ask for it too. Right. Mm -hmm. Like he's like, if you learn this, like your ability to do things and your ability to like (laughs) achieve things is going to be extraordinary. Right. But it was just like, like you said, it was, he's like, this is like the most life changing probably piece of advice I can give you. That's awesome. Ask for help. And how many of us are good at asking for help? Yeah. Uh, very few of us are good at asking for help. Very few of us. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's so true. That guy's so brilliant. Yeah. Well, we'll give him a mention too. Yeah. He knows some shit. (laughs) I would love, I'm putting it out there right now. I would love to have Simon Sinek on the show and we're going to have him on the show one day. Yes. Well, we're going to stay with it. So yeah, we're not going anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's get you on if he's, if he's listening. Yeah. Come on, write us come to the website, www.thebandeshow. No, podcast. podcast. <laughs> com. We used to call it the B&E, the Brandon Evan Show. The Brandon show. Evan Show, yeah. That was like when, yeah, before we'd even... Remember we had, like, we were like, we should keep branding it. Like, the two, we didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. We were like going to brand it in like two names. Were we? Yeah, we were going to uh, brand it as the B and E and as the brand. Oh yeah, that's right. And then it was yeah. And yeah. then we were like, forget the Brandon and Evan show. But that's the but thing. It's if like, you listen you to really some know. of our first podcasts, we're like, like welcome Brandon, to the Brandon, Brandon and Evan show. show. <laughs> yeah. But you know, yeah, we didn't humble know. beginnings. Yeah, we didn't know. We were just recording, and you figure it out. You like I think that's kind of part of what this has all been about. So why don't we um, wrap it up? Why don't we wrap this bad boy up? I was uh, just thinking the same. So do you have a final point or do you want me to nail it? I mean, we, uh, (laughs) so many directions. Um, 
you know, we talked about a lot of things in here. We, we talked, we got a little bit into process again and about trusting that and, um, and how things can just, the creative process can just sort of unfold without you even realizing it. That was one of the things that I, I really liked about it. It's like when you feel like you got nothing going, it's mm-hmm. like, man, you might just be like, you might just be on the verge of just tapping on that one little thing that, that busts the whole thing wide open. Because I've found that like even through doing like this podcast before coming into it, sometimes you're like, I've got nothing. I've got no energy. I've got, I don't know if I've got anything to say or whatever. And next thing you know, we're, we're five minutes into the conversation and I'm just, I'm just pumped. Like I just like, there's just, we've, we've locked, we've tapped into something and I'm just connected to something. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was something that was interesting about this podcast for me. And, um, and I think, yeah, like, I guess this last little bit has been talking about really just going for it. You know, like it's, and it's a hard thing to, to tell people to just go for it. I mean, we, how many times have we been told this? I've been told it so many times before and I've never really got it. And I feel like I'm now I'm just starting to get it, you know, to, at a, at a stage where I'm just like, I, I don't want to waste any more time. I don't want to lose any more time. And it seems I'm not trying to judge my experience and say, it's like, okay, you know what? And it's part, I think that's part of taking responsibility and doing it with some compassion, you know, is, and maybe this is where I'll just leave it for my point is like, if you're listening to this and you have all of these dreams, all of these things that you know, in your heart that you want to do these, these forgotten and abandoned projects of yours that you still have a fire about. It's not too late to do them. And you're not a fuck up. You're not, uh, you haven't missed your chance, you know, like it's, and so taking responsibility for that just means having some passion, realizing that you, for whatever reason, you are letting those things get the best of you, but you don't have to let them get the best of you anymore. Right. And you don't have to waste that time anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's, and you can still do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can still get these things done. I, you know, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm just going to piggyback on your point and say that in my experience, and if I could leave our listening audience with anything is that if you decide to take on your dream that you've maybe put to the side, which I personally feel like I kind of did with my acting and filmmaking, I really kind of put it to the side for a little bit. And, um, and yeah, I was scared and yeah, blah, 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 and whatever. But I'm back in it now and amazing things have been happening, but I just want to share with you this. And someone told me this long ago, they said a lot of the time when you're in a situation like one like this or, you know, other things, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And what I would really just say to our listening audience is that when you, if you were to take this decision, you know, that Evan's kind of calling you to action and say like, it's not too late, go for it. Don't get deterred because things all of a sudden seem worse 
at first. You're clearing out the basement. Yeah. You're clearing things out right now that have not been dealt with in a long time. And that might not be pretty and it might not be fun, but it will go away. It will end. I promise. And soon enough, that basement is going to be clear and you're going to be free and you're going to be empowered. And not only that, you'll have sorted your shit. And the problem is, here's the other thing. If you just say, well, I don't want to feel worse. I don't want to go through that. What you're saying is that you're going to silently carry that shit in your basement for the rest of your life and just never go down there. So what I would say is get access to all of you, clear out your basement. It's going to be ugly, but you're going to clear it out. Don't worry about if you have nothing down there and it feels empty, you'll fill it with good stuff. You'll fill it with the stuff you want. And that's what dreams are made of. Dreams are made of filling your place in your life and fulfilling yourself with something that's beautiful and meaningful to you. So, you know, all I can say is that for me, that's kind of what I had to do. I had to, I, you know, um, I had to clear out the basement and, and, you know, maybe there was shit in the basement I hadn't cleared out long ago. That was even the reason why I even got to that place in the, in, in, in ultimately, yeah. you know? And so I think the sooner you deal with the shit in your basement, the sooner you get freedom and the sooner you get the ability to actually pursue the things that actually really matter to you and live your life the way you want to live. Mm-hmm. So that's what I that's would great. leave people with. And say I, I, with that, it's going to get worse before it gets better, but don't make it worse than it is. Nailed it. (laughs) All right. Well, this is another one. Yeah. It sure has. That was our show for today. Thanks a lot for listening and being a part of this. If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Or you can learn more and message us at www.thebndpodcast.com. Oh, and make sure to leave a comment and rate us on iTunes. That will really help us out a lot. It definitely will. Thanks.